Welcome to the Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. Today's message was originally preached on Sunday, June 27th by Pastor Rod Heppel. Today's message is the final sermon in our series entitled Growing Up in Christ Together. Check out sardisfellowship.com for more information about our church. Hello, Sardis Fellowship. Today is our final message in our series called Growing Up in Christ Together. And to be honest with you, I wasn't exactly sure how to end this series. I mean, I was pretty sure about some of the topics that we covered, and I was really delighted by how the staff helped to shape some of the other topics that we ended up covering. But how to end it? Well, that I just wasn't so sure. So with that in mind, I hope that where I'm landing today will inspire you to just keep your eyes on Jesus as, as we continue to walk with him as our Lord in life. Jesus said to his first disciples, no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back. Whoever does that is not fit for service in the kingdom of God. And so we don't want to be like that. We don't want to start a race that we don't finish. Or, or to keep with our agricultural theme that we've had, we don't just want to plant seeds. We want to nurture them to maturity whereby they produce fruit. So our focus today is on this, perseverance. Growing up in Christ together through perseverance, sticking with it, uh, to see something through. Now, I, I'm talking about perseverance in our faith with Jesus and in our relationships with one another. Growing up in Christ, we're talking about Jesus. And uh, the together part, we're talking about all of our relationships in life. What comes to mind when you think of the word perseverance? And what's been your experience with it? Some people seem so disciplined and like they're wired for perseverance, which probably it's not true. It just seems that way, right? Uh, but maybe you're more like me and you find it hard to stick at it and to see it through. So what is perseverance and how does it relate to our faith? To use the words of Jesus that we just read a moment ago, perseverance is putting your hand to the plow and not looking back. In other words, trusting in Jesus and following him your entire life. Eugene Peterson wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, Discipleship in an Instant Society. Perseverance in our faith goes against the grain of the times in which we're living and the values that are held by our society. In our society, we want to see results for our efforts as quickly as my Amazon pack is showing up. Because lately I've noticed you could order in the evening and it arrives in the morning right on your doorstep. And so I think that's a value in our culture where we want everything instantly. But discipleship isn't like that. In order for our faith to grow deep in Christ and to produce fruit, we will need to persevere. We will need resilience to get back up again and keep walking with Jesus because life is hard. Remember the illustration that Rob Schaff drew for us a few weeks ago at the very beginning when we started this series? There was four different types of plants or trees. And, uh, and so the first tree is the one that grew properly because it was cared for properly and in time it produced fruit. The second tree is the one that was neglected at the beginning but then was nurtured and it came around and it produced some fruit. The third tree is the one that was just completely neglected and it ends up dying and obviously producing no fruit. The fourth tree was a little bit of a mystery. This tree looked good, big and healthy, but it produced no fruit. It was just going through the motions. There was no substance to it. Well, perseverance is what's needed for our lives to reflect the first and second category where we bear fruit. And without perseverance, you'll be either number three or four, bearing no fruit. 
I love this verse in Galatians because it inspires me to keep at it. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, you see perseverance right there in that passage, right? Don't become weary in doing good. But we do become weary in doing good. Perseverance says keep at it. Why? Well, there's a promise here that if you do, you will reap a harvest. But notice the last few words in the verse. If we do not give up. Again, that's perseverance. So growing up in Christ means maturing in Christ to the point where the Holy Spirit produces fruit in us and through our lives. And this is going to take stick to perseverance. Now, this is a principle we see everywhere in life, right? It's in relationships, business, finances, sports, hobbies, music, anything, any field in life that you want to choose, you're going to see that there is a reward for those who work hard, they're diligent at it, and they follow through. Perseverance. Movies are made of this sort of thing. When most people would have given up in a situation, this person perseveres and then something great happens, right? You've seen this a uh, hundred times. Recently, our family watched a movie called The Overcomer. And it's a great story. You should watch it. It's about a young girl and she has asthma, but she's a long distance runner. Could you imagine that challenge, being a long distance runner and having asthma? But it's a story about perseverance. Perseverance now in Jesus is about for a lifetime. It's a lifetime of following Christ where he produces fruit in us in this life and for eternity. So the one who works hard to memorize scripture has hidden God's word in their heart. That word then guides them in life and gives them wisdom. The one who seeks God daily through Bible reading and prayer grows a living relationship with God. The one who obeys what they read experiences joy and grows character. The one who studies God's word can now teach someone else. The one who commits themselves to kindness reaps open doors of opportunity. The one who's willing to share about Jesus with other people sees them come to faith. And the one who seeks to learn about themselves, their strengths and their weaknesses, and they do the hard work of admitting and confessing and learning and growing, they find spiritual and emotional health. You know, there's no shortcuts to this kind of faith. It's the hard work and diligence and the follow through that's needed. It's perseverance. I think most of us would agree with that kind of faith. We would say, yes, that's the kind of faith I want to have. And, and I'm actually seeking to have that kind of faith. But there are things that get in the way. There's things that push us off course. We have these tendencies within us that divert or distract or completely derail us from our goal. I just want to highlight a few of these that I think are common to our experience. Um, there's a lot more we could talk about, but the first one. I already mentioned the tendency in our society to want instant results, right? Um, if we buy into that kind of thinking, it can push us off course because we don't see in our spiritual growth um, the reward fast enough, and so we give up. We stop doing the good thing that we started to do. But our verse in Galatians says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a har harvest if we do not give up. So it takes time. The apostle Peter, a person who was well acquainted with the ups and downs of following Jesus, wrote this in 2 Peter 1. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, 
and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So perseverance is about developing character so that the faith that we've, we have, the faith that we live, it comes alive and it, it becomes effective and productive in our relationship with Jesus and others. That's how that works. Growing up in Christ together is, is not an instant re reality. It takes time and we persevere and then we get there. A second tendency that I think we have that can kind of push us off course is when we avoid our sin problems rather than to deal with them. You know, we bank on good intentions and time and we think our problems are going to go away or our sinful habits, but they don't. If we don't deal with them, right? We kind of just hope that they get better or they go away, but they don't. It's like weeds in a garden. You have to pick them or they don't go away. For years, Ann and I had this half acre pumpkin patch at the back of our property and it required a lot of weeding. Our kids just loved to weed, as you could imagine. Uh, when they got older, they referred to me as the squash Nazi because we grew squash as well. And I guess it was because I got a little bit intense when I was trying to help them understand the importance of weeding this properly. You know, sometimes your efforts are just so unappreciated. Well, we would weed this squash and pumpkin patch about three times or four times from April to September. But in the end, when it was harvest time, you could swear we never even did it once. The weeds just kept on coming and if you didn't persevere in weeding right to the very end, you'd have weeds three feet tall. But the reward of weeding is also evidence. So if you don't weed, you can see that you have small produce, right? Because the weeds eat up all the nutrients. But if you do weed and you water and you fertilize, then you can see the difference of how large and beautiful the product is, right? So the spiritual analogy is that perseverance is like that weeding out of sin in our lives so that we're not stunted spiritually. Sin sucks up all the nutrients that would otherwise be part of our spiritual growth. Growing up in Christ it isn't so much about the knowing part, although that's important, knowing God, knowing the Bible, or, or how good I am at something like leading. No, the basis of it is obedience to Jesus. Obeying what you know. The Apostle Paul wrote, we who live by the Spirit need to keep in step with the Spirit. And in Hebrews 12, 1-3, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So Jesus is our example. And it says here, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I know we've kind of switched our analogy here. We went from farming to running, but you get it, right? Uh, we're in a race or we're growing something and you want to win the race and you do by persevering or you grow fruit, a product, by persevering. And this verse reminds us that sin hinders that. 
It entangles us and trips us up. So that's why we must deal with it and not just hope it gets better. Now, the third tendency that I would want to bring to our attention, it's kind of related to this one because it's an example of how we go about avoiding our sin problems or our problems in life, which is we tend to blame others for it. Billy Joel wrote a song called, We Didn't Start the Fire. Maybe you know it. While that's true, that the fire was burning before we came on the scene, surely we can see how we contribute to it, right? Now, I also know that some of you have been seriously wronged by someone else that has caused an incredible amount of hurt and pain in your life. Now, that's not exactly what I have in mind here. Um, I'm thinking for the majority of people don't have that story per se. We're too quick to blame someone else for our problems. It's the age-old example of Adam and Eve in the garden. When God comes to Adam to ask if he's eaten from the tree that he commanded him to not eat from, and Adam retorts, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Like, wow, you know, that's pretty low, Adam. Talk about throwing your wife under the bus. And if you think about it, he's actually blaming God. But you know, I think that that's our tendency. We try to deflect the blame from ourselves and we push it out towards someone else or maybe even to God. I know for myself, I would love to be able to pin all of my shortcomings and failures on someone other than me. But when I do that, I'm really not growing up in Christ, am I? That's not how we mature. We've got to own it. That's the starting point. We need to simply acknowledge our own sin problem rather than making an excuse for it or blaming someone else. I have this sticky note above my computer on my bulletin board in my office and it simply says, everywhere I go, there I am. What this means is that my problems follow me wherever I go. I can change my job, my house, my town, my spouse, everything, and still be in the same place, stuck with me and the problems that I bring along with me. You've probably seen this play out, right? Maybe there's someone you know and they're always complaining about their boss or their job or the people they work with. Um, they've changed jobs numerous times and there seems to be this theme or a pattern. They always end up in a fight or at odds with people. There's a story behind that. They were wronged again. They were treated unfairly again. Everyone was against them. And so they quit and they move on to a new job. Now, I'm talking about a pattern here, not a one-off situation. And for sure, there's legitimate kinds of scenarios. But I think our human tendency is to exonerate ourselves quite quickly and push the wrong onto those around us. And so what do we do in a problem like that? Well, we solve it by leaving. Rather than staying and learning and growing through it, facing our problems head on, realizing our part in the problem, learning how to resolve differences and growing up through that process, we just leave. We don't persevere. We change our surroundings, hoping that the next scenario will be better. But as often is the case, it's just a new group of people with the same kinds of problems because we haven't pulled the weeds. Everywhere I go, there I am. Now, at this point, you might think I'm just being harsh with people. I want you to know, trust me, this is a lesson I've applied to myself over and over again. And I think we all, to some varying degree, have this tendency to say it's not me, it's the other person. 
So what does this have to do with maturing in Christ? Well, it's related to the fact that our togetherness part, okay, we are bound together by nature of the fact that we share a common savior, Jesus. And so we're in his family. We are in God's family placed together because of Jesus. And while I've used an example of the workplace, it's just as true in the church. We can change churches looking and hoping that the next one would be better than the one we were in. But we're going to find the same kinds of challenges. And if we're being objective about it, it's because we're a part of those challenges. Maybe you've heard that saying, there's no perfect church because you're a part of it. And I know that's a bit of a sassy saying, but it's true. We are all sinful people who contribute to the challenges that we find in any church family. And I wonder if we're just a little too quick sometimes to make a change rather than to stay and learn and grow through it. That's what perseverance is. Now, with this tendency in mind, I want to challenge us to listen to those who God has placed in our lives who speak truth to us in love. A part of perseverance is allowing friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, to speak into our lives, even if it hurts. Proverbs 7, 6 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. What does that mean? It means that a friend is willing to risk speaking the truth to us because they love us, so we should listen. They have our best interest at hand. They're not trying to lose a friendship or hurt us. They, they see something in us that, that needs to change, and they want to help us. Proverbs uh, 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That's a really interesting thought that a metal object can come up against another metal object and sharpen it. You might think, oh, that doesn't work. Metal against metal, you're going to make the knife dull. Uh, well, true, if it's struck on the wrong angle, but if it's struck on the right angle, it actually sharpens it. So don't run from the friends who are trying to help you see a weakness in life because we have a tendency to pull away and we need to actually stay and learn and grow. Don't run from friendships. Don't run from relationships. Don't run from God. We might try to run from God, but that doesn't work. Jonah found that out. It's another story for another time. We grow up in Christ when we persevere through the trials of life together. Now, I want to say a word to those of us who are married today. In the times that we're living, God's design for marriage is under attack in so many ways. The message of our world doesn't foster faithfulness, commitment, and what love truly is. It feeds the flesh. It knows nothing of the Spirit of God on these matters. When things get tough and they're not going well in our marriages, the message of our broader culture is to end it rather than to mend it. As those who follow Jesus, I believe we have to be very intentional here to push against the messages of our culture that tends towards an easy fix to the marriage relationship, which is usually get out of it and get into one that you've, where you find someone better. Find the right one and start again and everything will be fine. But the reality is you'll bump up against the same kinds of issues in your second marriage that you had in your first marriage. In fact, st statistically speaking, about 41% of marriages in Canada end in divorce. Of the second marriages, 67% end in divorce. And of third marriages, 74%. So the message of our world about just find another person, that, that actually isn't true. It doesn't fix the problem. Years ago, I read a sign that said, love grows where you plant it. And I thought that was a pretty good reminder 
about nurturing our own marriage relationships. The world wants you to think that the grass is greener over there. Well, it's not. It just looks like it from a distance. Perseverance is the key to our growth, whether it's relationally, emotionally, spiritually, even physically. I think most of us would equate perseverance with character. That when we persevere in doing something long enough, we get better at it. And in time, we're shaped by it. And if it becomes part of our character, then God uses it for good. Here's a couple of passages that speak about how perseverance shapes our character and God uses it in our lives, okay? Uh, Romans 5 says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So what exactly is this saying here? You see the combination, right? The relationship here. It's saying that there's this process to the product. Life is hard and we need perseverance to get through it, to get to a place where character is shaped, that out of that comes hope. And uh, the hope that God offers is the Holy Spirit himself who lives in us and he produces love. So that's how that works. And James puts it like this, consider it pure joy. Oh man, pure joy? My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Okay, well, what is this saying? Saying that life is filled with all kinds of trials and tests of our faith. But when we persevere in it and through it, it does something to us. It matures us. It even completes us. Well, in what sense? In the sense that now we become useful to be able to help someone else because we own it for ourselves. To be complete means to be mature so as to bear fruit. To grow up in Christ will take perseverance. At times, we will have to hold on tight to Jesus and not allow the message of our world around us to push us off course. The world around us and the world inside us. I want to close with an illustration about how the disciples had to hang on to Jesus even when they didn't understand him. There's this fascinating story in John chapter 6. Jesus has done the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. You might remember that story. He's on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And then in the evening, he goes out in a boat with the disciples across the sea. The people find him the next day around the side of the sea. And they come to him looking for him to do another miracle. Uh, it's truly very shallow. They seriously are just looking for Jesus to do, to feed them lunch, right? Their motives are really, really shallow. Jesus gets pretty upset with them because he sees their lack of faith, their lack of desire to know the truth about who he is. He's the bread of life, the one who's come down from heaven to feed them eternal life by them following him. They don't want that. Uh, they just want dinner and a show. They don't want truth and they don't want to change allegiance and they don't want to follow Jesus. So they get caught up in this whole dialogue about Moses in the desert and the manna coming down and Jesus being the true bread that the Father has sent into the world. They miss the analogy completely. They're just offended by him. And then Jesus says this and they, they get really offended. He says, whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Well, at this point, they just couldn't understand what he was saying at all, and they're completely offended. They missed the spiritual truth. So it says on hearing it, many of his disciples, which are referencing more than the 12, said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? From this time on, many of his disciples, other than the 12, turned back and no longer followed him. They took their hand off the plow, right? Jesus asked the 12, do you want to leave too? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. I know Peter didn't know what Jesus meant, but he knew there was no other place to turn. I love that answer by Peter because it resonates with me. There are many testings of my faith that could cause me to stumble, to lose my way, or to turn with the crowds. But perseverance says, to who would you go? Who else has the words of life? Who else claimed to be the son of God and then proved it by rising from the dead, conquering sin and offering eternal life? That's right. No one. No one but the one and only son of God and the one who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. James 1 says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know, I don't know what trial you're facing today. I don't know if it's on a spiritual level or a relational level or any other level, but I do know that Jesus is our hope. He is our answer for every aspect in our lives. And whatever you're facing today, it will take perseverance to see it through and to do it God's way. Let's not buy into the message of the world. Let's continue to grow up in Christ together by encouraging one another in this journey. And may God produce in us the spiritual life and the spiritual fruit that he wants to produce in us and through us that we might be a blessing to others. So God bless you as we continue to be the church growing up in Christ together. I'd like to lead us in prayer. Father, this is a hard message, but life is hard. The reality of our existence on this planet is that it's going to take perseverance to walk faithfully with Jesus. By your spirit, sustain us, I pray. I know that there are things that distract. There are things that deviate. There are things that derail. This world has so many messages that bombard us daily. And so I pray that we would have the ears to hear your word today, that we would have a heart that would respond to you, that we would yield to the Holy Spirit who lives within us, and that you would do your work in producing fruit in and through us. So we commit ourselves to you. We want to be the people of God who live in such a way that reflects who you are. Help us to do that, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. These are our discussion questions for today. Is there something you've persevered with and then seen the reward for it? Number two, what are some of the messages of our broader culture that don't line up with God's word? You know, those things that maybe seem like they are true, but they're really not. Now for reflection, is there a sinful habit in your life, something that that you've not been honest about that hinders your spiritual growth and how might you change that? Well, God bless you as you um, talk about these questions and reflect on that last one.
Thanks for listening to the Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. For more information on Sardis Fellowship, please check out sardisfellowship.com.